All right, what is up, guys? Welcome back to All Access, the Freaktography podcast. Here we are, episode two. Episode one was very, very well received with our good friend Carlo Pelosa. Here we are for episode two, and there is nobody who is more deserving than an episode on this podcast than Rhythm Rider. Rhythm Rider and I go back to 2012. He's actually one of the very first people who I ever met in this hobby, and we became very fast friends. Guys, we've been through hell and back together. We've done psychiatric hospitals. We've done prisons. We've done power plants. We've done all kinds of overnight adventures in the craziest of places. There's no one in this hobby that I have more respect for. There's no one in this hobby who I have more great experiences than Rhythm Rider. And anyone who knows us knows how far back we go and how much we've been through together. So guys, with all that said, let's get to it. Rhythm Rider is on his way here. Here we go. Episode number two with Rhythm Rider. Oh, hey there. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing, brother? You doing good? Hello, brother. <laughs> this is awesome. This is a little bit different from the last time I did a podcast, so that's awesome. That's a real good way to come in and make a good entry. I had to switch it up a bit for you there. Things are good, buddy. Going to my favorite spot right here. This is where I go after work for some downtime. I come up on the quad and do some goofy stuff. That's awesome, man. So so before we get started, the, the first question I have for you, and I can't really keep up, and I need you to sort of help me out here. Are we friends right now? Are we getting along right now? Or are we not talking right now? Because I can't really keep up. We're friends. We're <laughs> friends right now. It's, it's, yeah, after, it's, there's, what, how many times have we not been friends? Like, seriously. <laughs> I think this is the third time. Yo, yeah, I think, yeah, so I'm, if I keep count right, yeah, I think we are friends again. <laughs> yeah, so I think we're, I think we're good. So that's all right. Awesome, brother. So, so we got a lot to talk about, you and me. We've been exploring together for years. Podcast number two. First one was Carlo Pelosa last week, so I couldn't be happier to have you here with us today. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to go through. This is going to be great. Uh, so why don't we start by telling us a little bit about uh, you. Who is Rhythm Rider, and uh, how did you get started in the hobby of urban exploring? All right. Well, I mean, ever since I was just a kid, there was I grew up in Mississauga, and there was always kind of development going on. But So there's always be like that one random farmhouse in the middle of the field that was creepy. And I remember going with buddies and stuff when I was young on our bikes and just going in there and just nosing around. So it's always been something really, I don't know, just kind of like what you, you don't know yet. Back when we were younger, like you think it'd be like creepy or haunted and whatnot and scary. So you go in there and like pretend it was a murderous place or whatever. So that's kind of how I grew up doing it. And then um, my, my, my dad, had, my dad's parents, uh, they had a house in Streetsville and they sold that to a developer and actually, when my dad, my dad and I went together and explored the house that he grew up in, so that was kind of a fun thing. So, yeah, it's always been for me. It's kind of like the unknown, and you know, starting out with the abandoned houses, and of course, as you know, as my my the hobby grew to me, and you know, I got more into it and realized there's networking and more than just in Ontario. You got the bigger places, you got the power plants and all the other industrial top secret locations. You know, where they they don't spill the companies don't spill their secrets, but we get to go in there and kind of nose around and see what you know, how the sausage is made, right? All right, yeah, and that's kind of like the same way I got started. We both kind of got started the same way. We did this as kids. We didn't know it was a thing. Kind of followed the same path, and then we discovered this thing that these people do, and they put it on the internet, and then here we are. So so you've discovered urban exploring as a hobby. You've got into it hardcore. You're right into it. 
you make yourself an online persona, you uh, you set your Facebook page, you join the forums. Now you got to come up with a name for yourself. And I know this question comes up a lot. Now I know what it means, but I don't think about now I know what it means, but I don't think a lot of other people know what it means. So you came up with the name Rhythm Rider. So the big question that everybody has, UBJ, is what does Rhythm Rider mean? Rhythm, rhythm is rhythm is rhythm. So it's a Caribbean thing because back way back in the day, I used to be really well. I still am, but I was. I spent a lot of time getting uh, Caribbean music. I had a whole networking of people back in the Napster days and, and everything that followed up the Soul Seeks, even like uh, IRC, so Internet Relay Chat. And what I had all these friends in the Caribbean that would send me music and kind of like they get it right from the producers and stuff. And I just I just loved it so much. And you get this stuff. It was not even on the radio because this was, this was so pre like this is like the 90s kind of thing. And uh, I just I just cataloged all that information in my head. And if people could come ask me and say, what's the rhythm off this song? Like a rhythm, the rhythm would be you could have it's different than regular North America, I guess, other genres of music because you'll have one beat which is the rhythm or rhythm and then you'll have all the different artists sing over that same rhythm and so rhythm rider kind of just like i don't know i was just it just it just flowed through me i under i knew it all i understood it all i knew the artists i knew the rhythms i knew the producers and everything so i guess essentially to put it you know wrap it up you know uh it's it's just about my vast knowledge at the time of the different Caribbean like dance hall and reggae music. Like I remember, you know, Sean Paul is a household name now. I remember when Sean Paul first came out back, you know, in the in the mid nineties, and you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, he blows up. So it's kind of where it came from. It just kind of, it was a big part of my life, and then exploring kind of took over the music aspect of my life. All right, perfect. So now we have it. We heard it from the horse's mouth himself. Now we know what rhythm rider means and where the name came from. So moving on to the next question. And I mean, we could go so many directions in this interview. We've both been together. We've been hanging out for almost 11 years. We've done so much cool stuff together. But one of the things that we've both done at the same time is we both made the move from just posting pictures online to YouTube. And uh, it's been pretty successful for us both. We've both uh, been pretty happy with it. And I mean, again, I know the whole story here because we both did it together at the exact same time. But uh, for the listeners, talk to us a little bit about your decision to start a YouTube channel and start doing videos and not just photos. And, and how has that worked out for you? And how are you liking it so far? Well, I mean... I dabbled in video a little bit before, but it's with my SLR, you know, kind of just doing a little bit of stuff here and there. And, you know, I didn't, it was kind of neat. It was, it's neat because uh, for, I guess for me, I really, I didn't really, I spent a lot of time building, you know, take, editing my pictures and everything, just the same as you had. And, you know, it was around the same time that, you know, you introduced me to Carlo and he was doing it. And I thought, you know, I'd love to, I love documenting it, but it was just a lot of work at the time. It felt like, and I didn't really have the gear or the, the, the full understanding on how I wanted to put together something like that. Like the, anything I dabbled in before would have been, you know, 30 second, very, very poor walkthrough of something, you know, just quick and, you know, nothing. It just kind of like, yeah, what the yeah. heck is this? So, um, but you know, one thing is like the way I shoot, for example, like my, my, when I take pictures, I try to edit my pictures the way my eye sees it. So it's not necessarily, you know, so it's 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 just you know you know what I mean. So that's kind of why why I kind of easily went into the the video editing as well because it's really what you see as you're walking through rather than what you choose to photograph. Because when I take a picture, I'm taking a picture that I think this is great, and there's so many different reasons why this is great. But the the video kind of shows 
every little bit that may not be super interesting to me photographically, but it could be to the viewer. So that's kind of why like, I, I wasn't excited to get into it. I kind of thought it was corny because there's a, you know, the YouTubers, there's a lot of gimmicky stuff out there and I'm not into all that gimmicky stuff. I mean, there's it to each their own. I don't, I don't, you know, disrespect anybody for choosing their own thing. Cause you know, it's exciting for some different ways than other, but the, the thing I didn't like about it, the hell me back originally was it just seemed there was too much stuff that just wasn't my vibe. You know, I want, I'm exploring, I'm not into ghost hunting and whatnot and treasure hunting and stuff. So I mean, that was a, a hurdle, but I overcame that, you know, pretty quickly because with the with the help of you and Carlo, because both of you kind of, you know, we all kind of encouraged each other uh, to get into it and, you know, and help grow into it and kind of figure out, find our own little path and niche within the YouTube community. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, you know, the ghost thing, it, it's, it's entertainment and it works well for some of our friends who we were hanging out with at the time or some of the guys who we still know now. But it does. I tried it. I know you tried it. We even tried it together as a joke. And even when it's a joke and we know we're being funny about it, I just found it didn't work for us and good for our friends who, who make that work. But for you and me, uh, I I just couldn't do it. And I know you couldn't either. So so that's it. So so speaking of making it work. Uh, you've got some pretty good YouTube videos that got some pretty good views going on here. So yeah, so looking at your YouTube videos, you've got two videos at 1.2 million views each. And let's talk a little bit about both of those. The, the first video that you've got, which is your most viewed at 1.2 million views is the Body Stain House. And you and your wife, Zenning with Zay, were the first ones to find and explore that house. So when you guys went in there not having a clue what you were about to find. And I know the story, I've read the story, I've heard it from you guys both, but for the listeners and for the viewers, take us through that experience of what that was like to enter that house and the shock that happened when you both walked into that body state on the floor. Yeah. So we went to this house, like we were, we had watched it kind of for a bit and we knew there was, you know, the telltale signs about it. And when we got up to it, we finally, we actually stopped one day cause it just didn't, you know, we weren't too sure and it's humming and hawing. And then one day we just took a stab at it and it was actually in the winter time. So we couldn't pull up to the driveway. There's a big mound of snow blocking the driveway and everything. It was brutal weather. And then we got to the house and we we're kind of looking inside like, holy crap, this is a good house. But because of the time of the year, there was like everything, the snow was kind of drifted up to the doors and froze everything shut. So I'm like, I got to get in here. So there was a door. So I just kept on, I spent about a half an hour trying to chip away the ice. So we could actually open the door because, you know, it was, it was, I think it was in February. So you get a bit of that, you know, thaw, freeze, thaw, freeze. And then there's big chunks of ice. Finally opened it up and we're walking in. And it was literally like within seconds. Like I, because you walk in the front door to the right was the kitchen. Just have a little bit of a court to the right the kitchen. Then to the left is where that stain was. And actually Zay found it. She's like, holy crap. And we kind of just looked at it and, you know, there was um, there was like some sort of like ribbon or something kind of strewn around, like some rainbow color ribbon and stuff. I don't know. It was like, but it so it kind of didn't, you didn't really know what you're looking at. And it's, it took a while to really grasp. And then once we figured it out, it was like, oh, what are we going to do here? Like we just, we, we actually spent a good 15 minutes or so contemplating our next move because it was pretty upsetting. Like it's, you know, like to, to see that kind of a stain and 
it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in just two days. Like it's, it's someone had been there for quite a long time. And that walker, by the way, I did not set that, that little hand thing. I didn't set that up. Like that was all that stuff was there. We didn't touch anything in that house to be quite honest, because there was some pretty gross stuff in there in terms of just because it was infested with animals and all that. And obviously the body stain, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty shocking. And, uh, yeah, I remember like we we when we left there, we didn't really know what to do, so we just went and found some random house that just to get our minds off of it, and then we went home and just we just talked about it because it's just such a weird thing to find. Like it's just such a, a scary and sad and tragic. Like you're flooded with emotions, to be quite honest. And you know, like a lot of times we joke about stuff in this hobby and everything, but that was probably the most realist moment, you know, in terms of just humanizing i guess an abandoned place well, guys we're going upstairs and this is why i'm going to show you something that you've probably never seen before in a video i've never come across it i've always been worried about something like this happening um and then it did when we walked in here we took a few steps in the door and we saw this on the ground now for those who can't figure that <clears throat> excuse me figure out what that is that is a body stain and you can see right there there's a walker so unfortunately it seems that the woman who had lived here had taken a bad fall landed on the floor <clears throat> and that's where she expired unfortunately yeah so it was uh it was pretty sad and i spent so much time trying to find any information without actually contacting like the township and whatnot and i can't find anything <clears throat> you know so yeah, so it was a it was a tough one, especially because you know after doing the research, you couldn't find anybody. So it's like this person literally died alone. Man, that's nuts. That's terrible, crazy story. Thanks for sharing that with us. And I, for one, am glad that you guys were uh, willing to share that one with the community and with the world, so that we could see it and hear that story. And uh, you know, unfortunately, we weren't able to get the 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 history of this poor woman and how this happened. But you guys, you know, you pause. You probably did a lot of elderlies a good service by uh, reminding people to check in on their elderly loved ones. Now, let's move on to the next video, which is another uh, video at 1.2 million views. And that is the abandoned 1980s time capsule house. Where did they go? So this house was crazy. I know you, you, me and Zay did this one together. I remember getting in, calling you guys and you were like half an hour away. You guys hauled ass and met me here. I sent you some pictures. Probably one of the craziest abandoned mansions that we have seen. And only a very select few people managed to get into this house before it was locked down. When it comes to this house, I have one question and one question only for you. Do you think we crossed the line? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I've been by there fairly recently. And now I would say, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> because there's so much activity. Like the last probably half dozen times I've been by in the last couple of years, I was shocked at how much activity there was. And even, you know, kind of right afterwards for the longest time, I was expecting an email, a phone call, a knock at the door. And like, I, the funny thing about that stupid video, cause it was so epic, but my friggin' uh, GoPro crapped out the, the, the commentary. I lost all audio. <laughs> So when I finally got brave enough to edit it, I had to dub over it. So it's probably been several months. <laughs> I, I probably did it like four or five times. By the time I actually nailed it, I had about four beers into me. So I was feeling pretty good and chatty and everything. So, but yeah, it's, I was like, 
I can't believe this one got over a million views because it was just like the worst dubbing and everything. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, at the time it was sketchy, but I, I didn't think too much of it. But right now, seeing the activity, it's like, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely. We if we weren't if we didn't cross it, we were definitely straddling the line. Okay, so uh, so again, you've been at this for 12, 12 years, maybe thirteen years and uh, posting online. So you've been to, just like myself and others, hundreds, thousands of abandoned places over the years. Uh, so if you can, uh, what are some of your favorite abandoned places that you've been? Maybe your top two favorite explorers that you've done over the years. Well, I got to say, uh, oh, geez. I mean, I really like that asylum. I don't know. Am I supposed to name drop or anything? I don't know. But I really, I guess it doesn't matter because uh, – when Zay got her her passport for the first time, we did a road trip down to uh, Hudson or to New York, mm. I guess, and we did Hudson Valley Asylum. That one's been on my list for oh, like easy ten plus years. And I mean, it's beat. It's been burned. It's been you know, it's decayed to crap. But it's been one that's just it's just so massive, gothic, intimidating. It's got history for days. You know, it's always been one that I've always loved. Um, and you know. It was only back in 2020 or 2021, I guess, when I actually, or 2020, maybe, I don't know. I can't remember. But anyhow, <laughs> finally got to it after, you know, knowing about it for so long. And then I guess another one would have probably been with you was the first time we did JN. Yeah. Because that was, that was pretty epic. Like we had done a few, you know, things. Oh, you know what though? <sighs> I just thought about something else. And that would have to be the Ford plant. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. The fourth plan would definitely be the top one. You know, the thing is, I think I kind of uh, diluted it for myself because I would get bored and just go there because it was like an hour most <laughs> of the time. But yeah, yeah, that was that. You know, nothing's ever going to beat that first day that we went. We we found the open door and mm -hmm. walked around and just like yeah. So that one, that one, because that really that ticked all the boxes and yeah. you know, and he even had an epic story. So yeah, yo, for sure, such a good story, such an awesome experience. All right, man. So let's keep moving on. Uh, a big topic these days that I've been having in conversations with friends and you know online chatter is the topic of sitting on your shots and not posting right away, not sharing your locations right away, and just sort of sitting on it. And uh, you know we're all guilty of of hitting a spot, getting all excited, and then posting it like two days later. Um, so where are you at on that in terms of like you know when you hit a spot? Are you always going to sit on those shots and wait six months or a year? Or, you know, are you, are you posting, you know, fairly recently after you've explored? Uh, you know, it's a big topic these days. So where are you at on the topic of uh, sitting on shot? Well, with some places, I'll, if I, if I find something really interesting, I, I, oh, losing light there. There we go. Yeah. Some places, if I find them really interesting and I know they'll get destroyed more, it's more about protecting the location and it's not about just hoarding it or anything like that. Like, I mean, a perfect example was castle village. We had done that one, you know, two years ago and we had met the neighbors right next door. They moved in, they got little kids and everything. So I'm like, I don't want to post this one to get it. So that the, the onslaught of parade of people freaking out the neighbors and whatnot going on. Um, that's more because, and, and, not knowing exactly what the state of that place was kind of in limbo. It was up for sale, off sale, you know, now obviously now it's sold, but um, I, that was kind of something where I just didn't want to post it. And the other thing is too, is like, yeah, I, I get the excitement of things. I do. I know I'm guilty of it as well, but I found in the last couple of years that 
everybody in the hobby in the province will hit the same place and just oversaturate everything like every little social media outlet and so that's kind of gotten me to the point where number one half the time i don't even want to go to places because it's just like what's the point and number two it's like you know we don't need to oversaturate the, the the audience with the same thing at the same time. You know, we can all work together and it's not about, it's, it seems like there's a lot of a, like just, you know, dick wagon and stuff like that. Look at me, look at me kind of thing. Like, you know what? It's, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's, you know, and it kind of soured me in the whole hobby to be quite honest um, in terms of just locally, because I get that people are looking for something new to do, but it just kind of, it just was like, just wow like it, the, the places get ruined places get sealed so quickly now and everybody's just trying to get there and post it to put their, their mark on it prior to anybody else and that kind of like so for me I, i've kind of slowed down on even paying attention to what's going on around me and just focusing on my own thing because you get frustrated and annoyed you know there's there's things where you sit on it for a minute and then someone else posts it and next thing you know it's like everywhere and you can't control that but you know you can you can only control what you do and how you you know kind of deal with with the situation. So for me, I try to stay neutral in all of it now because I've been right up in the mix of things and the drama and all the crap. And I find life is just it, there's too many real things to deal with. So I gotta focus on why I got into this hobby and just do my own thing and you know get back to why I did it, not rather than just trying to find the latest and greatest, right? Right. So now you just also touched on another point that I was gonna ask you next is, uh, and I know you have a very strong opinion on this one, and I'm I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. And that's the state of the hobby since. COVID-19 and how many people have come forward and joined the hobby since the pandemic started. And, you know, so tell us a little bit about your, your thoughts about uh, the state of things these days. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I can't blame the people that are curious and getting into it, but I mean, it's just, like I said, it's just so diluted and oversaturated with the same place over and over and over again. And, and, you know, it's, there was a time and it's, I don't think it was about protecting and hoarding or keeping it a, away from other people, but there was a bit of a time where people were kind of like, you know, let's just keep this one a little under wraps so that it can last so that in five years from now we can revisit and see yeah. what it's like. But now it just seems, and, and you know, that's maybe it's because there was a smaller group of people compared to what yeah. there is today. Again, yeah. I don't fault people because it's, you know, we, everybody's curious. They want it. They want to try something new or find something because they're, they're bored. But I think that, I think the, 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 a lot of the ethics of this illegal hobby, but these so-called made up ethics that we kind of do loosely follow have kind of yeah. just disappeared per se. It's, 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 you know, and I think like the posting openly posting locations is just, foolishness because it's like I, I found you know in, in one of the areas like the, the toronto area for example i mean that used to be you shooting fish in a barrel it was easy you go down there you're guaranteed like a dozen places yeah. in a day yeah. these things are locked up and like everything because you got people going in there there's police looking at you now and everything so it's i just i find that it, you know as much as like i don't want I'm, I'm not a gatekeeper of the hobby but i find that People are coming into it a little too reckless and not really understanding that there is a loose set of morals to follow and to kind of keep the hobby fringe per se, because we don't want it in the limelight too much because then it just gets ruined. So, man, you know, there's probably like right now, there's a couple of people in the hobby who I've been trying to, you know, gently remind them you don't have to post an exterior of a new location. And for Christ's sakes, don't post the, the location with the address 
very clearly on the front of the house. And also don't tag the city. If you tag Mississauga in your Instagram post and you post a picture of the exterior and that exterior has the address, you've just given that location to everybody. And, you know, I tried giving these couple of guys a gentle nudge and I was met with such hostility. Now I'm the ass for trying to help and, and give this advice that I was given, that you were given, that other people were given when we first started out. And we've all made the stupid mistakes. It's how you handle it when somebody else gives you that criticism. And these days, it's always met with hostility. Now I've been called the, the apparently, I think I'm the god of exploring by telling these people to stop posting exteriors. This one guy actually went so far as to post a school, the exterior, the name of the school in a Facebook group for the city that the school was in. And then just last week, because of that, a group of guys went into that school to go explore it. And within five minutes of getting in, the cops came in with canine, with tasers. They handcuffed them and they got charged. And this is 100% the fault of these guys that name dropped and clearly blew up this location online within two days of them going. And it just makes me sick, man. And anyways, I'm not going to get all worked up about this. <laughs> it's a little late for that. But anyways, yeah, man, like I'm getting tired of being met with hostility. We've all been through it. And everybody makes these mistakes and it's how you handle this criticism or it's how you handle this information that's coming to you by guys like us that have been around for a while that, you know, that make a difference. But these guys, they're, they're blacklisted as far as I'm concerned. I'm, uh, I'm not giving them any locations ever again and I don't care what they do or where they go, but they've now proven themselves just to be idiots that are blowing up spots for their own good. Well, and the other thing too is that, like, they—I they, don't know what the what the reasoning is, but they feel like it's it's a it's hostility when you're just giving guidance, and then it's just they're just so mad about that they go and blatantly do the opposite of what you're suggesting. Because I know that, like, so many times I have exteriors and I just won't post them and everything. Like, maybe when the place is gone or whatever, and it's again, it's you know, some people will think it's about oh, it's elitistness and hoarding and whatnot. No, it's it's literally about protecting the place because. I forget where it was, but I went to, no, it was just a couple weekends ago. I went to a few places. Um, that stone porch house down in, um, you know I what mean. I mean? But yeah. that one had, had the friggin' skates, the CCM house, I guess it is. The CCM yeah. skates. They were in the same place that I had opened up that box and put them seven years ago. And that place doesn't look any different except for a bit of a cave-in. That's natural. So that's right. like, that's because it's so far away from the normal area and it's kind of an old, old location that no one really cares about it now. So no one's rushing there, but I right. mean like wide open, no efforts to close it. And that's, you know, it's great to see that, but that's essentially what we're trying to do by guiding exactly. young people or the new to the hobby people. It's not about, Oh, well you got a big name. So you're just going to be a dink to me and be an elitist. No dude, we got to where we are because people trust us because we make good decisions on how we manage and handle locations. All right, let's have Urbex story time now. Uh, you have a pretty good story about an experience a couple of years ago. You were exploring by yourself. You found a couple of abandoned houses on the same street. Uh, you pulled in, you parked your car, you started doing some exploring, and all of a sudden you got a guy driving his truck up the driveway. He blocks you in, and you're met with some serious hostility. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? <sighs> Do you want to hear about that one? Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Let's go. I pull down this random road. I see one side, an old gray, bleached, sun bleached house, cut grass, all beautiful around it. Right across the road, another one, even worse looking, but amazing and not as kept, but no trespassing sign. So I hop out my car, go to the other one. 
that was all capped and everything. Kind of do a little walk around, feeling weary, just had vibes. Go back to the car and well, I guess to the road. On the other side of the road, because of no trespassing signs, simply took a picture. Next thing you know, a pickup truck from the house that's like right there whips up and Buddy is furious. I mean, he's literally like an inch from my nose. I think I could feel his nose touching my nose. Like I was that close and he's just at me, at me, at me. And I'm like, dude, I'm not doing anything like, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I seen you walk around that house. I'm like, well, I was just looking. Oh, there's no trespassing. Like, well, there's none right there. And he freaked and he's telling me, basically threatened me with putting me up in the trees with his my car and stuff. So I'm like, Jesus Christ, like my buddy, like, okay, whatever. So he takes a picture of me and all that stuff. And I'm just getting ready to go. And I look up the road, there's another friggin' pickup truck. Well, it's old Pappy coming down. He's he's even madder than the son. And apparently this whole family lived on this street. And I guess that was grandma's house that I was taking a picture of. And then it was his auntie's house, the other one that I walked on the property and everything, but just freaking me out and i thought oh god like i'm gonna get murdered here because these are like the hills have eyes kind of people and uh, <laughs> <just> like, <laughs> i thought for sure i was murdered and he's like well i know the cops so i'm gonna get the cops on you too i'm like okay so i kind of was conflicted am i getting murdered or arrested i didn't know but the whole way home i took back roads because i was afraid the opp would find me on the highway all right moving right along here we got so much more to talk about but uh one of the questions i'd like to ask all the guests on the on the podcast and i'm going to keep tabs of who does of who uses what gear uh is our camera bags and you know we've got video gear we've got microphones we've got flashlights we have cameras tripods drones we have so much bullshit we got to carry around with us on these explorers so the question is for you ubj what is in your camera bag uh, I got my Canon. Oops, I just flipped you. Sorry. My Canon, my Canon 60D. I guess I've had that forever. <laughs> you know what? It's worked great for me. It's been it's been awesome. My Coast rechargeable flashlight. Yeah. Of all the flashlights I've had in my life, and I'm not sponsored by Coast, but man, I wish I was. That is my favorite go-to flashlight. Best beam, rechargeable. Second one I purchased, almost my third. I found it when I lost it the second time, but yeah. Um, then, of course, I've got my... Uh, D DJI, um, Mavic mini. Yep. Yeah. The Mavic mini, um, the DJI pocket, um, the little, um, vlog camera. My lens, I guess would be the 10 to, to 10 to 10 to 20 or 10 to 15. I forget which one it is, but that's yeah. like my go-to wide. Um, I think that's really, oh, toilet paper. <laughs> toilet paper. I yeah. never leave home without it. Yeah, and, uh, that's that's typically what's in my gear. I mean, depending on what I'm doing, if I'm doing light 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 painting or anything like that, obviously I'll stock up a few more things. I've got a little tool kit um, for light painting brushes and all that stuff that I've got too. I uh, haven't yeah. done as much lately, but yeah. So that's typically what I keep in my bag. All right, moving on. Uh, when I was on the Chasing Bandos podcast with Greg Abandoned, uh, we talked a lot about the importance of a, of a good exploring partner and how important it is to have someone who you just, you know, you just merge with and you just get each other. And, you know, I talked to Greg about you and I and how, you know, when we explore together, I know when you're nervous, you know, when I'm nervous, I know your limits, you know, mine. And we also know when we can push each other a little bit farther like if, you know, if, if I'm kind of like, ah, I think we should go, you know, where you can push me a little bit and, and vice versa. And, and we got that through experience, although we did get that together pretty quickly. Um, 
it is very important to have that type of an exploring partner who you've got this cohesiveness with and this uh, agreement and you just know each other and how, and what makes each other tick. And so you and I have that and, and we probably still do. It's been a while since we have been out together, but you in the last uh, several years have been almost exclusively exploring with your wife, Zenning Mazay. And uh, for everybody watching and listening, I am going to put her links down below. I, I do highly recommend you follow her as well. But you've been exploring with, with Zay pretty much exclusively over the last few years. Uh, so much so you even got married in an, in an abandoned building. Uh, do you have that same uh, cohesiveness that you had with me that I'm talking about with Zay? I know she was exploring on her own before you guys met. And you guys now go to a lot of great places together. So I guess long story short, to get to the question is, do uh, do you find that you and Zay also have that same sort of cohesiveness with each other where you know uh, what it makes each other tick when you're exploring and can you can really read each other? Well, I remember when I was like, you know, in the early days, I used to think I didn't want to explore my wife. It was my own time. Um, and yeah, I wanted to keep my relationship separate. And you know, in hindsight, I mean, that may have worked out because of the situation that I was in. Um, I was happy to get away from it, from my my, 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 my regular life. And my hobby was kind of like my distraction or, you know, like false reality. Um, but I mean, like, like, well, going by what you're saying, like about the, you know, having to understand the bond to an extent to know each other. I find exploring with most people. Most of the people that I've explored with, I wouldn't say every single one, but a lot of them, if you do something big with a bit of risk, you kind of, you can, you can feel out that person right away and vice versa in terms of getting a bond where it's almost like an, um, you don't have to speak. You just kind of like look at each other, make, you know, gestures and whatnot. You know what each other's thinking. You finish each other's sentences kind of thing. Like I find, I find it's because your, your senses are super heightened already that you're easy to easily picking up on what the other person's vibe is. So my wife, I mean, when I first started exploring with, with, with Zay, I mean, she knew what it was about. She was picking, she was already exploring some pretty wicked places. And typically women aren't doing big things in the hobby, you know? So it's, it was like, okay, well maybe it's just, you know, a few hit and misses that I thought with her. And this is nothing against women in the hobby, but I'm just saying a lot of times they're just, you know, it's somebody else is taking them there. Then I find out she's going to these places by herself. So I was pretty impressed. And then when I actually went out with her and, you know, kind of got her vibe and everything and, you know, but the, the, the watching and the, uh, you know, just paying attention and just sounds and how you step and how you, you carry yourself in a place. I was impressed. And so I'd say right away, she, she's on the same wavelength that I was in terms of exploring. Um, and you know, that's the same kind of thing that we have here. You just, you got, you get it, you know what you guys are doing. You got each other's back and you know, like you're watching out for this and there, that and all that. So, so I found right, right away, I was able to get that bond with her. Like I have with many other explorers and it's kind of continued on it's, and, and being that it's my wife now, it kind of changed the perspective of things because I'm in a different uh, place in my life right now where I'm, I'm better overall. And now we like, it's like, I'm not limited to do things that I used to be where it's like, you can't go exploring every week and you got to spend time with me, which you know what? Shit. Okay. Let's go exploring then, babe. You know? <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. Like they're like last, the last couple of years we've slowed down because we had a lot of things that we were doing in terms of, you know, getting a dog, getting a house, buying a quad and all sorts of stuff like that. Getting married. Shit. I right. about yeah. that too. <laughs> but so there's been a lot of things going on. So we weren't always just exploring. We we're doing a lot of downtime stuff too, but mm -hmm. You know, our, our, we kind of, our, our initial bond was through exploring 
And it's not just that. It actually was, I was fortunate enough to have something beyond that between us. So, we, you know, so we could develop this relationship that we are in now. So, yeah, I think it's very important. And I'm very happy that my wife is on the same level as me in terms of the understanding and just the flow of the explore. You know, we did like, like we did some pretty greasy stuff. They're not greasy, but like sketchy stuff in the States. Yeah. I mean, I have, I do Jersey police contacting me about a place. So, I mean, yeah. we've done some high risk stuff together and to get out of them alive, it's always good. So yeah. <laughs> All right. So over the years in your experience, um, you've, uh, you've explored by yourself, obviously when you first got started, then you and I hooked up and we explored together all the time. Uh, we'd gone out with like, you know, you and me, you, me and Carlo and our nonsense exploring. We've gone out with way too many people on certain days out. Uh, then you've gone to exploring with your wife, Zang with Zay. So with all of those experiences of going from alone on one end of the scale all the way over to way too many people, and I don't think anybody would really take a, a offense to your answer here, depending on what it is. Uh, do you have a preference to exploring alone uh, or with a partner or with a bunch of people? You know what? I, 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 I love exploring alone, but I also like having a like-minded, solid explorer on the same vibes with me because you get that little like you said earlier on you get that extra little push with you know we know you go a little bit for you're not you're not quite done yet i know you got a little bit more in you know so it's it's that because because like i said you're set your your all your senses and everything are just firing on overdrive so you may overthink stuff and sometimes it just takes someone to say hey no Let's do this. Let's no go. Like you kind of make, sometimes you get, you know what, when I'm by myself, I'm, I'm a classic overthinker at some things. And you know, the next thing I you know, I'm like freaking myself out over absolutely nothing. Oh, a car drove by. It's probably the cops. Oh my God. Yeah. They're coming out, you know? like, whereas where someone says, no, it's nothing. Okay. Let's go. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's not like it's a requirement because I've certainly done big, scary stuff by myself, but it is, I find it can help you kind of get over the anxiety. It makes you, you, you kind of, you can focus better on what you're actually doing rather than just, if you do it, you're going to rush through scared or something. So I don't mind, uh, you know, another person, maybe two, it's not a big deal, but you know, big groups. Yeah. It doesn't really work. It's because you're tripping over yourself and by yourself. It's not always, you know, it's, it can get boring too. I get tired talking to myself. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. All right. So uh, almost done here. If there's a young explorer, out there who's looking to get into the hobby, uh, get into urban exploring, maybe even start their own YouTube channel. Uh, someone who's out there looking for someone like you to give them advice. What advice would you give to the young explorer who's just getting started in the hobby or with YouTube? Stay true to you. Um, it's easy to hop on other people's vibes and stuff. It certainly doesn't hurt to kind of get, you know, some ideas from other people and learn from what they do. But, you know, Try straight to, excuse me, try to stay true to yourself and, you know, make your own identity because you can stand out from the crowd a lot better. Um, don't get caught up in petty crap. Remember, this is an illegal hobby. There's no true rules. There's no police for it. The police are doing the policing crime, which our hobby is essentially is. So right. <laughs> don't get caught up in the drama. Don't, you know, be true to yourself and certainly, you know, reach out to others for advice. And when you get advice, take it, you know, with a grain of salt, don't necessarily just take it as an insult, but take it as, you know, like some people may insult you, but others, you know, you just got to pick and choose 
what you're hearing and how you take it. Just don't take everything as insults. Yeah, right. And I mean, we've all made the same mistakes. You've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. And it's all about just trying to, you know, help people along to to not make the same mistakes that that we did in the past and help hopefully make them a better explorer and a better, uh, safer for themselves and a, as a better explorer. Absolutely. I've been caught up in the drama and I've been trying to, you know, do something that I wasn't or whatever like that. And it's at the end of the day, you you know, you, you get exhausted from acting like this isn't my full time gig, you know, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I got to do. And then, you know, I, I always want to be me and have fun. That's what the hobby was about. So if you got into the hobby for fun, do it for fun, do it for those reasons. Don't do it for the money or whatever, or the potential monetization. Don't beg for that sort of stuff. Let it come to you naturally because it will come. It's just persistence hard work and stay to it and stay real all right so uh before we wrap up do you have anything else you wanted to talk about did i miss anything did i forget to bring up anything important uh anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up well you're really bad at climbing fences and i haven't seen any fences climbing in a while so i'm wondering if you've done any uh training on that because there's been a few bad ones I'm going to have to get you to send me that video or that picture of that one time when I got stuck up on the fence and you just kept filming. (laughs) All right, brother, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for joining the podcast. Happy to have you on and uh, make sure everybody you hit the links down below to follow Rhythm Rider and Zenning with Zay on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, all over the place. Um, thanks a lot for being here, brother. Lots of great information, lots of great stories, a lot of laughs. And, uh, that's it for this episode. I hope you guys have liked it. UBJ Ridden Ryder. Thanks so much for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Peace out guys. Thanks for, thanks everyone. Appreciate your time. Cheers. So there you have it, guys. That was me and my good friend, Rhythm Ryder. We have so much history together. He and I probably could have talked for hours. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Rhythm Rider. All of his links are down below. I'll also put links down below for his wife, Zenning with Zay. Her links are going to be down below. They pretty much explore exclusively together these days, which, as Rhythm Rider said, is not so much a bad thing. Now, Rhythm Rider and I touched quite a bit on a very important topic for me, and that's the topic of a good exploring partner. I get asked by quite a few people if I want to get out and explore with them. I'm not a big fan of getting out with someone who I don't know or someone a friend can't vouch for. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And for me, looking for the right exploring partner, as I said, it entails things like trust and, you know, being able to read each other. And while Ridden Ryder and I, you know, it took us a while to get to that point. We were pretty much on the same page from the beginning, and we did manage to develop a good sense of each other. So as I said in the last episode, guys, every episode, we're going to talk about the book, Access All Areas. This book is what has inspired the name of my podcast, All Access. The book is called Access All Areas, and it was written by a guy named Ninjalicious, also known as Jeff Chapman. He passed away of cancer, sadly, not long after the book was written and published, but he talks about a lot of stuff that are still highly relevant today. This book came out in 2005. Now being 2023, a lot of the stuff he says in this book are still extremely relevant. So I went through the book and I wanted to find some of the things he says about an exploring partner and things you should consider when looking for an exploring partner. So let's get right into it. All right, so today we're looking at page number 19. And again, if you ever want to read this book, which I highly recommend, there is a link in the description down below for the podcast to pick up this book and order it on Amazon. So on page 19, under the section for ethics, 
He says, when you're considering potential exploratory partners, try to enlist people who you know have firm consciences. Keep in mind that these people will not necessarily be your traditional goody-goodies. A lot of people who usually behave well do so because they're mindlessly obeying rules and laws, not because they're carefully considering which actions are helpful and right and which are harmful and wrong. Some people have the idea that urban explorers are generally troublemakers. On the contrary, I would say that urban explorers are generally better behaved, more considerate, and more polite than the vast majority of the population. So when you're enlisting fellow explorers, it's a good idea to avoid people who seem more excited by the opportunity to be naughty than by the opportunity to discover and appreciate some cool places. So if I could add a little bit to this, guys, you know, I've been out with people in the past who are in it for different reasons, you know, looking for things that they can steal, possibly vandalize. Those kinds of people I don't want to explore with. And to not get too much into the weeds on this one, through our experiences together, Rhythm Rider and I basically learned each other's strengths and weaknesses. We knew when the other one was done. We knew when the other one wanted to keep going. When it came to getting caught, we knew when to run and we knew when to put our hands up and just go walk out and accept the loss. And uh, we never ever put each other in a bad situation because the other one was being selfish. We just always knew. That's one of the great things about having a consistent exploring partner who you do everything with, whether it's a simple house or an automotive factory or a power plant or an overnight at a mental asylum. You get to the point where you guys just know each other, you know each other well. And uh, my best advice out there is when it comes to an exploring partner, find someone who you trust, someone who you get along with, inside and outside of the hobby, where you're basically like one person on an explore. All I'm trying to say here, guys, when it comes to picking an exploring partner, pick your partners wisely and you will both be better for it. Anyways, guys, I've had a lot to say in this episode. I got a lot on my mind, but it's time to wrap it up. This has been episode two of All Access, the photography podcast. Episode three next week features Greg Abandon. He's currently living in China. He's the guy who runs the Chasing Bandos podcast. And he is the reason why I have a podcast because it was people like you out there listening who recommended that I start my own podcast after hearing me talk to Greg Abandon on the Chasing Bandos podcast. So Greg and I are going to have a great one hour long conversation about how he started the podcast, why he got into exploring, some of his experiences, and he will touch upon a recent experience where he actually fell and almost died while exploring. So thanks to Rhythm Rider. Thanks to you guys for being here. Rhythm Rider links down below. Zenning with Zay links down below. All my links are down below. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Amazon Music, whatever the case, make sure you subscribe to that podcast. And that's it. Thanks for watching, guys. See you next week.